This podcast is part of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed may not represent other podcasts or affiliates of Gunna Geek. Check out more podcasts at GunnaGeek.com and get ready because geekiness starts in 3, 2, 1. The Gunna Geek Network presents the latest installment of All Things Good and Nerdy. With your hosts, Naki. Internet is really, really great for porn. Anthony. No pants, all bacon and dick butts. And Chris. So I'm going to say this as nice as I can. You go to hell, sir. You go to hell and you die. (laughs) They're here each week to talk about the latest in nerd news. And sometimes they bring a special guest host along, too. As Magneto once said, ha ha ha, welcome to die. I want to cut you all. I'm just going to cut you all. Meat candy. Woohoo! You have boobs. So kick your feet up and relax as you take in the latest crazy episode of All Things Good and Nerdy. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to episode 143 of the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, recorded live on Sunday, January 25th, 2015. You must realize if there's no random cold open, that means Naki's not here this week. But don't worry, don't worry. You got myself, Chris, and you got Anthony. We're still here. We'll still fill you in on the news of things. We just don't have the Naki touch on things. No fun stories. No fun stories, because I guess she got the plague from all the little children. (laughs) They are plague-bearing rats. Yeah, for, for those that aren't familiar, Naki, one of her jobs is she works in the child care center of a gym. So she's exposed to all sorts of little germ-encrusted childrens. So <laughs> it, it seems fairly likely that she will in turn then get the germs. I heard you say German-crusted children. <laughs> I said German-crusted, not German-crusted would be funny though too. Huh. <laughs> so Tim Tom's running around a little Nazi uniform. Covered in dirt, uppercutting bitches. Oh, <laughs> he's a German encrusted little 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 virus carrier. I'm not gonna miss. I'm gonna miss Tim Tom stories because eventually he's not gonna be allowed in there anymore. Well, no, when he starts knocking out the daycare providers. Yeah, it's gonna make me sad. He really will. <laughs> so, for those that aren't familiar. Uh, normally we're a three-person panel. The reason I want to bring this up is we had a ridiculous surge in episode downloads last week, and on the off chance it's not just because of porn bots and spam. We just wanted to let everyone know normally there's three of us here, but Naki's sick. And for those that are a long-time listeners, you might be wondering what I'm saying by a surge. The last episode that we entitled Don't Look at Keith's Privates got 400 hits, so the thought is it's probably porn bots or something like that, <laughs> but... If we're wrong, let us know. If you're a new listener, hit us up or watch or hit us up in the chat room. Go to live.atgnpodcast.com or go on Twitter or Facebook and leave us a message. You'll be like, hey, I'm a new listener, and let us know how you found us, how you're liking it so far. And if you're feeling really froggy, you can give us a call on the uh, ATGN hotline at 304-806-ATGN. We'll take your, uh, your voicemail you leave us, and we'll put it on the air. So if you're a new listener, let us know. If you're a porn bot... Yeah, and welcome. And if you're a porn bot, we're not going to know the difference. And if you're a porn bot, welcome. <laughs> yeah, we are fairly uh, porn tolerant on this show. Is that the best way of putting it? I don't know. I think we're... Oh, it's got to be a more positive word than that. Because tolerant just means like we allow it. Oh, some, some of the people we have in the chat room, like we're, we're porn progressive. 
<laughs> the uh, our former co-host, the Adahe, who has a since had other things come up that doesn't allow him to podcast. When I went to college with him, he was affectionately known as the Porn King because he would go and troll through the school network and download everybody's porn onto his computer. At one point in time, he probably had a terabyte and a half of porn he had just stolen off people's unprotected hard drives. Wow, that's a lot of porn. Because there were so many people, yeah, <laughs> there were so many people that came to school, and they didn't think about putting a firewall on their machine or password protecting their folders or even simple stuff like that. So he would literally just open the <laughs> network view in Windows and be like, "Oh, here's this computer. Let me open my documents. This looks like porn." He'd steal all the porn. <laughs> Actually, I think it's nice that all those people were sharing and didn't feel the need for firewalls. He's like, he's like, I'm never going to watch it. He goes, my goal is just to collect a lot of porn. <laughs> and I'll be damned if he didn't collect a crap ton of porn. Oh, yeah, if you were saying he had a terabyte of fucking porn, oh, my God. It was probably a terabyte and a half. And he had, the funniest thing is his computer was a giant piece of crap. I remember that much. It was like a Walmart special HP that came with one of the old CRT monitors. And if he left his monitor on when he wasn't using the computer for a screensaver and things like that, you could almost fry an egg on the back of that monitor. It got so hot. Wow. Yeah, I was sitting there. I was like, dude, your monitor's going to burn the whole dormitory down. He's like, nah, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> this this little Walmart special computer, though, took so much abuse because he would open it up to dust it and stuff like that. And instead of using compressed air, he'd just sit there and make <laughs> and just blow it into the motherboard. <laughs> and I remember there's this giant uh, dust clump that was in there, and he's trying to blow it off, and as he's blown, he, like, hawks a loogie accidentally and lands right on his processor. And I'm oh. like, that can't be good. He goes, oh, no, this thing's had worse. And he takes a tissue and dries it off and starts his computer back up, no problems. Nice. This Walmart special HP <laughs> so much abuse. The hard drive was constantly spinning as he trolled the network for porn. Well, it's one way to not get all the viruses, I guess, is you steal the porn from everyone who's already got the viruses. There you go. I don't know they how I got on the porn the it. Yeah. But he had a lot. <laughs> SP in the chat room is like, only one and a half terabytes? Uh, SP, this was in uh, 2003. So was, one and a half yeah. terabytes of porn in 2003 was a big deal. This yeah, that would have been, been a couple of computers compared to what I had back then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that was 12 years ago. So, no. Thir yeah, 12 years ago. So 12 years ago... Most people didn't have a terabyte of storage in their computer. You were lucky if you had, what, probably 250 gigs, stuff like that? No doubt. Yeah, I think most people, yeah, were getting the you know, 125s, 250s at that point. I think I had less than that because when I got my 250 gig external hard drive, that was a big deal. And I was like, oh, my God, I can put all my backups on here. Well. I still have said 250 gig hard drive, and it is like a quarter of the size of the hard drive in my current computer and is full of just pictures and stuff off my last three computers that I never backed up properly. Nice. Yeah, I have two externals that are backups of everything, but at this point right now, if my computer completely fried itself, I have two copies of everything on it, which mm -hmm. is good for my artwork, and because, yeah, I'm just, I'm ridiculously OCD about backing stuff up. I see no point in putting all of it on one external if I'm not putting all of it on two externals. The, the way most people talk about it is <laughs> when you're going to do backup copies, you need to have at a minimum two and ideally three different backups. So you'd have one locally, you'd have one somewhere off-site, and then you could have a third one that's just DVD backups or a hard drive backup you keep in a fire-safe box or something like that. I have everything on two externals, and I have most of my stuff on Dropbox now. So Yeah. See, I guess technically I do have three backups. This is something I realized the last time I had, well, about a week and a half ago, 
that um, when I had to blow away this computer and start from scratch because I was having driver issues I couldn't fix, I didn't bother doing a full backup on that because I realized that most of the stuff I cared about, my pictures and my documents, all my documents are in Google Drive now, so I didn't care. The only thing I really cared about on here was my taxes, which I'd already made a backup of and put in my FireSafe box. I made another backup of my tax documents, and then I blew the whole thing away and I didn't care because all my pictures, all my videos, stuff like that are all synced up in the cloud and I could pull them back down. Nice. It was it was kind of an interesting thing because I realized another Amazon Prime perk they did is I have unlimited photo backup online with them now. Doesn't count against my 500 gig quota they give me. So That's cool. all my photos off of my my cell phone, my tablet, my computers, they all back up to Amazon and don't cost me a dime aside from my Prime uh, excuse me Prime membership. So Which once I went and did that, anyways. I was like. Yeah, the only thing I was missing was some stupid pictures I downloaded off the internet that made me laugh that I didn't really need, and I was like, this isn't terrible. I kind of like living in this connected day and age, and <laughs> I've done things properly. There's there's a company I've been looking at. It's called Carbonite that does backups. Yeah. It's literally a little app that runs in the back of your computer, and whenever you're connected and idle, it's backing up all your stuff to an encrypted drive in the cloud. And then if something happens, you just go, oh, crap, and you pull it all back down. But I didn't want to pay, like, 12 bucks a month for it. Yeah. If I get to the point where I actually have like a ton of artwork on my computer, it might be worth doing something like that. Right. For now, everything I have is, yeah, it's easy for me to back up a couple of folders, a couple of hard drives, and then when I get my new computer, I'm planning on buying a nice good size, like two terabyte external. So I'll have one space that has everything on it. I almost ba bought my new backup hard drive because I got an email from Tiger Direct or whatever. They had a five terabyte hard drive on sale. And it was 120 bucks external. Oh, nice. And I was like, damn. I was like, I don't really need this right now. But <laughs> a little inside baseball for people who didn't know, I've been talking about it a little bit. Depending on how the tax man treats me this year, one of my goals is to be getting a new computer this year for doing some more podcasting work and for doing video editing potentially for the Gun and Geek site, things like that. So. One of the things I want to do then is to automate my backup, and my router here has two USB ports on the back of it. I want to just take one of my external drives, hook it up into that, and schedule automated backups across the network to that uh, hard drive sitting on the router and have that run like every night at 3 a.m., back up the delta of what changed, things like that. Nice. But I'm lazy and haven't gotten to it yet, and it all depends <laughs> on how the tax man treats me. And You're waiting makes for the me... tax man, I'm waiting to sell this house. Yeah, it makes me feel exceedingly dirty that I'm actually considering getting a Mac. I really am. And I'm like, man, uh, Stargate Pioneer brings up a good point in the chat room. He, he mentioned this before and I'd forgotten about it. There's a site called Mediafire that gives you a terabyte of storage for 25 bucks a year. And I know he's been using that for some of his backups for podcast files and things like that. 25 nice. bucks a year is not bad. That might be my uh, solution for backing up all the podcast stuff is dump it up on the Mediafire thing. As that's cheaper than what I'm paying for Dropbox because their monthly is ten bucks. That takes you from whatever like the ten gig that you normally have on the free account up to a terabyte online. But yeah, that's ten bucks a month, so that's a lot cheaper. Yeah, I don't know much about Mediafire, so I can't tell you how good, how bad it is, things like that. But I'm sure SP will tell us about it, or we'll make a note and have that in one of the Gun Geek podcasts where we talk about it. Indeed, yeah, because I do know that Dropbox. I do love that system. It works perfectly. I've never had a problem sharing a file, sharing a link, downloading, uploading. Like, everything that we've done for Geek, the 75 pages of colored artwork, is all sitting on a Dropbox folder that the editor, the 
new colorist and the writer all have access to, and there's never been a problem. So Dropbox might be more expensive than Mediafire, but I can guarantee you that Dropbox is a damn good system. Well, and it looks like Mediafire gives you 50 gigs of free storage to begin with, just to try it out. Hmm. Which makes sense if they're a newer company trying to do a, a big, a larger free setup to get people interested. Yeah, I, I will have to look into that one. I'm glad SP mentioned it again because it puts it in my head to be like, oh yeah, maybe I should do this. And it is nice to have a nice, you know, on or uh, cloud storage backup for everything. Like if you're the type of person that takes a lot of pictures with your phone, of you know stuff other than your meals. Yeah, the pictures I mean, you actually want to keep. <laughs> that's the thing I've realized in, in today's day and age where everyone's primary camera is like a cell phone. If you've got Apple, it already backs up to iCloud. If you've got Google, it already backs everything up to Google. And then if you download Dropbox or Amazon, you can add that as a separate service. And every photo you take off your phone is going to be backed up twice. Yep. Plus the local so you never lose it. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the awesome thing. And, and literally, when I blew away this computer, the only thing I was like, oh, crap, I wonder if I lost, was some of the original intros and stuff like that for ATGN. And I was like, oh, no, those are on Dropbox, and I pulled them all back down. So nice. literally, the, the only thing I have to do after this uh, hard drive wipe still, and I haven't done it, and I should because I'm cursing us by saying this, is I do not have any of the backup copies of the uh, ATGN podcasts that are on the website on here, aside from the last three episodes. So I need to oh. go and pull those down off the site to have my backup copy in case something goes <laughs> ridiculously wrong and they go away. As, as bad as we've been on Next Element, I do have all 48 episodes backed up on two external hard drives. I think I my external hard drive has the yeah. first 30 episodes on it, and then I don't have anything after that. So that's like, what, 111 more episodes I need to back up? Yeah. Yeah, you're kind of missing a chunk there. <laughs> yeah. So that, that is on my plan to do, and eventually I'll get to it. It's just I've been abusing my internet connection lately between Netflix and downloading books off Comixology. I've been really bad. Was nice. it on this? Was it on this podcast or Gunna Geek? I can't remember where we were talking about Netflix has quota. Not Netflix. Uh, Comcast, who's my internet service provider, has quotas and stuff like that. And I looked, and in the month of December, I used 225 gigs of bandwidth, basically. <laughs> No, you must have shared that on Gunna Geek because I don't yeah. remember that from last week. It was a lot of Netflix, and I was like, "Huh, I watched a lot of Netflix when I was on vacation." God damn! Yeah, that's that's a ton of fucking data. Well, I'm watching Netflix in HD, and each HD episode of a thirty of a twenty-two or a forty-two minute ep show is probably a couple gigs. I'm guessing. Jeez, I guess yeah, if you're watching them all in the HD. <laughs> yeah, I, I am a snob. I don't do standard def. Unless I have to, Ooh. I'll pay. I'll pay the extra dollar on the Amazon Marketplace if I want to watch something in my DVR eight, and I'll be like, I want HD. I'll pay the extra dollar. I admit it. Yeah. I don't think I've paid the extra to watch anything in HD. But then again, I got an old TV and an old computer, and when I'm watching Netflix on my computer, I'm usually running Photoshop in the other window. So I don't want my RAM and my computer to be trying to run HD. I want the lowest quality version of Netflix they got. Yeah, so I look over the chat right now, Stargate Pioneer goes, ooh, Chris does so many podcasts that he can't remember what he said where anymore. <laughs> the problem is that's been the case since I started doing multiple podcasts. I can't remember what I say where. Is he starting to sound like Wing? Did I say this here? Did I say this there? What did I say this? <laughs> I don't sound like Wing. I still have H's in everything I say. Mm. See? This is true. You'd think the people that teach those Canadians English could teach them the letter H. What the L are you or... talking about? Thor. Not Tor. Tor is a software program. Thor is a god. 
So I think we might have rambled enough here. For those that are new to the show, normally we open the show just with some uh, witty, in our minds, banter. Mostly it's stories and just getting caught up witty on the week. <laughs> so after we, we start with that, generally between five to ten minutes in the show, we roll into our news of the week. News team, assemble! Live from the ATGN studios on uh, the internet. It's the news of the week. And I'll go first on my news of the week. I was kicking around a few things. I'll go with the more tech-related one first because it's kind of interesting. And it's the fact that uh, on Tuesday this week, Microsoft had their big unveil for Windows 10 where they started unveiling a lot of the new features and things like that. We learned that Internet Explorer is going away. They have a new browser called Spartan that's going to be in with Windows 10. They're going to integrate their personal assistant Cortana into Windows 10. All sorts of stuff. But what I think might be the coolest thing they announced and the most interesting is the fact that Windows 10 is a free upgrade for anyone that currently has Windows 7, Windows 8, or Windows 8.1. So pretty much... 70% 70% of the people that have a Windows machine right now, this is me spitballing. The number could be a little off. I'll look it up. You get Windows 10 for free for the first year that it releases. If you don't up, if you upgrade 366 days after the new Windows drops, you're paying for it. So you have one year to upgrade for free? That's not bad. Yeah, you have one year to make the decision to upgrade for, three, for free. And one thing I do want to remind is, if you look at Windows history, it's every other Windows that is good. And let's think, Windows 7, everybody likes. Windows 8, most people don't like. Windows 9 didn't happen, it became Windows 10. So Windows 10 should be good if you look at the at the Microsoft trend. That's true, it would stick with their, their standard track record. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was interesting, the fact that they're kind of almost following the Apple model here, where if you look at Apple's recent updates, they've either been like 10 bucks or free for people that are old, uh, that have the old OS. And I'm kind of curious how the PC manufacturers and the OEMs are going to respond to this, because it's a lot of people buy their new computers to run the new Windows, and that's how they get new Windows. Is they go, I'll just wait until the next Windows drops, and I'll make sure it has the new version on there, because yeah, they, they need a new, new computer, computer, and B, they get the new Windows on it. And now you're getting Windows for free, I wonder how that impacts PC sales. Now, I'm, I'm no expert, guys. Certainly not. I'm just a amateur, this sounds kind of cool kind of guy. <laughs> but seriously, Windows 10 for free. I'm super intrigued. That's pretty cool. It seems smart. I mean, in this day and age where it's kind of, you know, the way everything's going is we want everything free or at least free to begin with. Nobody wants to pay, you know... Four or five hundred bucks up front for anything anymore. Right. And hell, look, Photoshop is you know a monthly subscription now instead of an eight hundred dollar program. It's the new model on things. Some other things I missed on Windows 10 I should bring up is the fact that if you have an Xbox uh, One in your house, you can now play Xbox One games on your Windows 10 PC. Oh, nice! They're gonna let you port all your games over. Yeah, you basically stream the content from your Xbox to your PC. So, say the wife is the wife or the significant other or whatever in your house is wanting to watch on the main screen. You're like, God damn it, I want to play Halo. You go fire up your PC and you start up your uh, Xbox game on your PC and you keep playing on there. Nice. I thought That's that a- was intriguing. They showed it off at the event. They had a uh, Phil Spencer who heads up Microsoft's gaming division going on and uh, playing. I think it was Forza on a Windows 10 machine. 
which was really kind of cool. Um, from another tech standpoint, is Windows 10 is an upgrade across all platforms. Windows 10 will go to the cell phones, it'll go to the tablets, it'll go to the Xbox, it'll go to the PCs. So everything gets upgraded with it so that Microsoft can pull everything into one nice little bundle. Nice. Well, they'll try to upgrade everybody. They'll offer the upgrade to everybody. Whether or not everybody takes it is a different story. Yeah, for for free though, I think a lot of people are going to do it. And if you're one of those folks that's hearing me talk about this and you've seen some of the buzz online and you want to take a look at Windows 10 now, you can be part of the Windows tech, Windows 10 technical preview and get the current beta build of it to mess around with on your machine. You have to sign up for the Windows Insider program, which I think is free, and then you can download an ISO of Windows 10 off of Microsoft's website and you can start working with the current beta and get an idea of what it's going to look like. And I know a lot of people who currently run Macs have been playing with Windows 10 as a virtual box, basically, because it's just an easy way for them to get Windows for free right now and nice. run the Windows apps they want. That makes sense. I will probably end up downloading the technical preview and setting up a separate partition on one of my computers and just messing around with it because I'm a little excited to see what happens with it. Uh, you'll have to tell me how it is. I, I was a big fan of XP and never wanted to change and then I got 7, and I really like 7. I would run 7 on my system, and I think I would be fine running 7 on my systems forever. So I don't need 8. I don't need touchscreen bullshit that's designed to be for touchscreens on a PC that doesn't have a touchscreen. I can see where that would be good on a tablet, but I definitely don't need it on a PC. So you have to let me know how 10 is. Yeah, well, once I get to it. Um, it's probably not going to be right away because, again, if I'm getting a new computer soon... I don't want to mess up my... I don't want to do something that potentially messes up this in the interim. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a current backup. My backup PC that I had before this one is five and a half years old and runs Windows Vista and has four gigs of RAM and does not like to stay connected to the Internet. So <laughs> nice. it's a bad... I was upstairs yesterday just putting some stuff in uh, Open Office... Not Open Office, in the Google Docs and it would drop my internet connection like every five minutes for some reason. I'm like, this makes no <laughs> sense. My tablet is sitting here right next to me as I'm watching Netflix on it with no problem. <laughs> We're both within about half a foot's the distance of the router, well, comparatively, within the same distance from the router, within about a half a foot. I'm like, this makes no sense whatsoever. See, yeah, you know it's not the internet connection. It's the hardware. Yeah, and I'm far too lazy to blow away that computer and reinstall it. One of these days, I'm just going to pull the hard drive out of it and give away the computer. <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah, that uh, if I sell this house, I'll be this, this computer will become my backup, which will be nice to finally have a backup PC. Yeah, if I uh, if I get everything set up the way I want, this current computer I'm using now will be my backup recording PC for all podcasting. It'll always be on to do the backup copy, and then I'll use the main screen for everything else. Nice. But yeah, and I I don't know if I said it on this show or if I said it. <laughs> excuse me, if I said it in the pre-show or not. I know I said it in the pre-show, but for those that are wondering, I'm contemplating getting a Mac. Yes. I might go with the dirty, dirty Mac route for a while, but yeah, they started putting they put the Retina screened iMacs on the refurbished store, so I'm kind of tempted because I want a 5K display. Nice. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. Is watching things in 4 and 5K really intrigues me. And when you look at the price that Dell is charging for just a 5K monitor, that monitor is the same price as a full computer from Apple. So it kind of adds a little bit to the value proposition. 
Yeah, might as well get a full computer if you get it for the price that the other company wants to charge you for just a screen. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, but I, I'm willing to take <laughs> my beat on that. You guys can uh, beat me up on Twitter and Facebook for potentially switching to the dark side. I'll take my beating. Don't worry. <laughs> nice. I've rambled enough. I went down the tech route, though, which I haven't done in a while, and it felt kind of good. We haven't done much tech on here in a long time. I kind of missed it, so I might try and do more in the future, but let me toss it to you, Anthony. What do you got for your news this week? Uh, a couple little things before we get into the big news. Um, I forgot to mention last week, I finally got my digital download of She Makes Comics, the documentary that I backed on Kickstarter. Um, fucking fabulous movie. It goes through all of the history of females working in the comics industry, independent comics, big two. Um, just, you know, basically covers almost everything that you would think of and has some great interviews, gets all caught up to today, dealing with like a going into, like, uh, uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick and what she's done with Captain Marvel um, and with um, uh, Pretty Deadly. Um, just, you know, great interviews, lots of interesting people, some uh, seriously amazing artwork being shown, like, as they're interviewing people and showing what people are working on. Uh, just a really fun documentary. I would, I would uh, recommend it for anybody who's interested in comics and definitely wants to know more about the industry. Um, got that done. I got, uh, oh, um, I got all caught up on my geek shows, and then on, I think it was Tuesday, I got really interested in a Twitter war. Twitter war? Yeah, the Twitter war of the, the Super Chris's, as it was oh, referred to yes. in the People magazine. Yeah, the, the Loose Collective, which, if you include Thor, you have Chris Hemworth, Chris Pratt, Chris Evans. So, the Super Chris's of Marvel... Well, they had uh, Chris Pratt and Chris Evans on Twitter. Uh, at Chris Evans, those who don't know, would be Captain America, who was born and raised in the Boston area. And at Pratt Pratt Pratt, who is Chris Pratt, who is Star-Lord, was raised in the Seattle area and is a Seahawks fan. So it just happens to be that Captain America and Star-Lord have two football teams going to the Super Bowl. And lucky for us, they started talking shit online. Um, the actual tweet from Chris Evans was, well, 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 at Pratt, 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 looks like our teams are going into battle. For the next two weeks, you are not my friend. You are my enemy. <laughs> and Chris Pratt responded, at Chris Evans, we both know there's only one Captain America, and his name is Russell Wilson, hashtag Super Bowl bound, hashtag LOB, which is Legion of Boom, and hashtag repeat. Chris Evans responded to that, them's fighting words, and then just wrote stakes, question mark, Hashtag, what is a Seahawk anyway? Hashtag, something Tom Brady hunts. So, <laughs> there, there, you know, it looks like just you know, two actors talking shit. And then this is the part where it becomes awesome. Chris Pratt's response to what the stakes are is, at Chris Evans, okay, Seahawks win, you fly yourself to Seattle, visit at Seattle Children Hospital as Captain America waving the 12th man flag. Okay, that's cool. That's pretty cool, right? Even better, Chris Evans' response to that is, at Pratt, 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 I accept, and when the Patriots humiliate your sea chickens, I expect Star-Lord to arrive at Chris Haven in a Brady jersey. Christopher Haven is a Boston nonprofit that provides housing for families while children are undergoing outpatient cancer treatment. Right, and if you look at Christopher Haven's uh, Twitter account right now, their banner is Twitter Bowl 2015 Star-Lord versus Captain America. <laughs> Nice. So yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's two actors that have already repeatedly done you know visits to children's hospitals to their local ones, and they took what you know standardly would just be you know random bullshit between two actors, 
And they really showed that these are the types of guys that Marvel should not only be happy with their casting choices, they should be very happy with the representatives of their companies and their characters that these two actors are. Like, they really are, like, this is like heroic shit that people can do easily that lots of actors don't think of doing. So it's, you know, they took what was a stupid Super Bowl bet and turned it into something that no matter what, some children's hospital is going to get a visit from a superhero. How fucking cool is that? Well, and the way these guys are with their visits and stuff, there's nothing saying they both won't go and do what the terms of the bet was, regardless of exactly. who loses. Because well, it's it's for a good cause, and by doing this on Twitter, they've brought attention to both of these organizations. It, very true. Nobody loses here. And there was one last tweet that Chris Pratt sent out. It was later that afternoon. He sent to Chris Evans, humiliate my Seahawks. Maybe talk to Brady about deflating your expectations. Boom. <laughs> You're on, sucker. <laughs> nice. But yeah, I'm just I'm stoked for this because yeah, it's it's definitely it's a win-win situation for all the organizations involved, and yeah, it really makes Marvel look good for these guys being representatives of their company, right? Because I mean, these are two actors that are going to be around for a while. There's you know there's talk about RDJ not coming back as Iron Man, but as far as I know, Chris Evans is still locked in for Caps for a while. We're going to get probably at least two more movies with Chris Pratt. He's got so, two more movies. Evans under his contract, I think. Under contract, so he's got two more. We know Pratt's coming back for Guardians 2. There'll probably be a Guardians 3. I mean, they're going to be around for a while representing the Marvel brand, and it, this just makes Marvel look even better. Like, they have two guys that are, you know, great humanitarians playing superheroes for them. It's yeah. fucking awesome. So SP read my mind. I didn't have the chat room open. I just flipped back to it. He goes, so what's the over-under of the Chris's going to both hospitals? And I was like, you read my mind. Yeah, exactly. Though so I do believe that if they both go... The winner probably won't do the other part of the bet, so I'm probably pretty not. sure. It, yeah, if the if the if the Seahawks win, Star Lord's not going to be wearing a Patriot jersey. <laughs> yeah, I just somehow don't see that happening. But yeah. nevertheless, really cool. And if you look at all the people Marvel have gotten for their movies, you always hear these good stories of what they're doing out there with people and things like that. Robert Downey Jr. visiting sick kids dressed as Iron, dressed as Tony Stark, basically. Well, he is Tony Stark, so that really doesn't count. Yeah. Mark Ruffalo is always out there. It's, it's really cool to see the positive things that go on with that. And you, you hear a lot of positive stories like that about both Evans and Pratt. Chris Pratt's always out there doing stuff like that. He Around the yeah. same time Guardians came out, he was visiting all these hospitals and things like that. It, it's a yeah, guy that genuinely appreciates... Of Twitter doing that. Yeah, he genuinely appreciates the fact that he's getting a really successful career, and I think he loves being a superhero based off of the way he's talked about it. Well, yeah, and the fact that, yeah, it means that he gets to be a superhero for kids at you know, sick kids at children's hospitals, I think he likes that, like, more than any other aspect of the job. And right. this is also, it's not a Marvel versus DC thing, because we all know that um, after the shit went down with the shooting in Denver, you know, Batman himself showed up at the hospital. Right, so, Christian like, Bale. Yeah, Christian Bale, no matter how much, you know, he might have flipped out and was an asshole on some movie set, he's also the type of guy where when, you know, there's sick kids or something, like, he will go and show up at a hospital as well as fucking Batman, which is pretty cool. Some of these actors, like, it, it's awesome the time they share going and doing stuff like this that, you know, they don't have to do it. It's not part of their job. It's not on their contract. But you got to figure that they really, they must really like doing it. I think it would be fun, personally. I mean, it's got to be a little heartbreaking, some of those visits, though, because you see some really sick kids and ones that you know it's probably their last wish to see your superhero character, and I don't know how yeah. you deal with that. Yeah, it's probably tough, but at the same time, yeah, the idea that when they're showing up, like that's the one thing that's going to brighten that kid's day. It's got to be, it's got to feel good. Yeah, that's what I would think. So, 
the big news this week, let's get to that at the end of the show. And for those that aren't familiar, it deals with Marvel <laughs> Universe and pretty much their version of the New 52. But before we get to that, a couple things I did want to bring up. Uh, let's start with Star Trek stuff first. Uh, did you hear, Anthony, who's going to be co-writing Star Trek 3 now? I did. I saw a little... Uh, there was some dancing going on online. A couple of uh, Mr. Mister Peg gifts were rocking out from what I saw. That's right. Simon Pegg is co-writing Star Trek 3 now. Which I think is pretty fucking cool. <laughs> I do, too. I mean, if you think about it, he also helped Edgar Wright write the Cornetto trilogy and a bunch of other stuff. It's going to be very interesting, and I think we'll get a little bit of a different tone maybe for Star Trek 3. Maybe some lighthearted, more lighthearted moments. Could be. There hasn't been a lot of lighthearted moments in the new Star Trek movies. Well, and the ones that there were were really focused on his character. That's get true. down! <laughs> <laughs> it was all Scotty. All the really lighthearted moments in the two J.J. Abrams Star Treks were scenes with Scotty. Like, he was the comedic relief. And so, yeah, if you have the comedy relief on your movie being part of the script writing now, odds are, yeah, he'll probably try to, you know, beef up Scotty's role a little bit as well. You know, put a little more comedy in it. So, yeah, it could be cool. They could, they could use a little more comedy in the Star Treks. They were a little dark. I think so. And for, for those who aren't familiar, I came down really hard on Star Trek 2. I didn't like this last one. The first one I thought was all right. But Star Trek 2, I thought there were too many loopholes, and it, I just didn't enjoy it that much. So I wasn't really excited for Star Trek 3, especially when it was a Roberto Orkai that was supposedly going to helmet at that point, who is not anymore, thankfully, because I'm not a huge Orkai fan. But hearing that Simon Pegg is going to be involved in writing Star Trek 3 has me intrigued, because the guy is a good writer, and I like most of the stuff he does. So it has me a little excited. I don't think I've seen Pegg in anything I haven't enjoyed. Run, Fat Boy, Run, Freaking How to Lose Friends... Paul, like, everything he's done is, the, the guy's just, you know, fabulous as an actor, and definitely super talented as a comedian. Okay, but first, what did Orkai do? What did he do previously that you weren't a fan of? Because I don't know the I don't know the director. He's been involved in, I mean, I can't remember it all off the top of my head right now. Let me go to IMDB. <laughs> Alright, so who's, uh, who's um, set to helmet now? Okay, uh, Justin Lin, who did uh, Fast and the most recent Fast and the Furious movies. So, okay. Orkai, He's a good director. Here, here's his backstory and why I might not like it too much. Uh, Transformers. Most of those movies. Star Trek Into Darkness. Amazing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> mm. Yeah, well. I mean, there's still you know, some, some big budget flicks in there. Maybe yeah, not I, the best flicks, but... Sorry, I'm on the wrong tab. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I like Justin like... Lin. A lot of people didn't. A lot of people didn't like his run on uh, Fringe. Also, when he was running Fringe, they didn't like a lot of the stuff he was running. I didn't watch Fringe. I don't know. I just I'm not mm. hugely down with a lot of his stuff. <clears throat> I really like Fringe, but I wouldn't be able to tell you which episodes he was on. So, because I didn't know the name. So SP stirring the pot in the chat room right now. When I was talking about not liking it, what do you mean? How about the whole Burns, Bones and Kirk getting chased at the start of Star Trek Into Darkness? <laughs> what about the whole Dr. Carol Marcus and the shuttle thing? My response to him is just, ugh. That's it. And I liked the Dr. Carol Marcus thing, and then that was where everybody flipped out about the whole, you know, why does the, the one woman have to be sexualized? I think that scene could have been easily fixed if they would have just made fucking Carl Urban strip at the same time. Yeah. Why weren't both actors stripping down and changing into whatever, you know... And they just made it like they both needed to put on, like, radiation suits or whatever? Have fucking Dread ripping his shirt off so that the ladies had something to stare at. 
while we're looking at Carol Marcus's character in her fucking bra and panties. Then there would have been any complaints. That's all. It would have been a very simple fix. Fair enough. Uh, SP in the chat room says he goes, "I'll take Star Trek over Transformers and Spidey any day, any day of the week and twice on Sundays." <laughs> he might have you there. Yeah, you got me there. <laughs> Unless we're talking the Raimi Spider-Man films, the first two specifically. Uh, everybody wants to say first two. I- I'm glad that I let me put it this way. I'm really <laughs> glad I red boxed Amazing Spider-Man two because had I paid more than like two bucks to watch that movie, I'd have probably been a little annoyed. Uh, the fight scene in Times Square with the slow-motion webbing shots that was, was cool. worth seeing on the big screen. There, there were some cool fights and elements in it. It's just the movie fell flat for the most part. Oh, uh, well. It all comes down to the last the last part of it where you get the death. That was when it got ballsy. Yeah. The only thing I really disliked about that movie is that the previews made it look like a rhino film, and rhino's only in two scenes. That's the only thing I really disliked about that movie. Because it really is an electro film. It's not a rhino film. It's one of those ones where instead of shoehorning in another villain, they basically introduce you to a villain, but you never really saw him fight, which was kind of weird. Yeah, so taking you back to your point you made of how they could have made the Dr. Carol Marcus scene better with both Carl Urban and her there, he goes, yeah, SP in the chat room goes, yeah, like an arrow, shirtless Felicity and shirtless Amel. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's a show that the CW does it very well. For, I mean, it's definitely it's not even. I won't I won't go that far because it's not like we get to see Felicity smoke in a skin tight dress every time we see Stephen Amell shirtless because it's like a ten to one ratio. But at the same time, I mean, those ones are really fucking good when it comes <laughs> to actresses on Arrow. So, so how but many yeah, times did you rewind the episode of Flash when her shirt caught on fire, Anthony? <laughs> I don't think I rewinded, it, but I think I watched the episode three times just because it was a good episode. <laughs> did you make yourself a little animated gif of it? <laughs> no, I don't know. How to, I need to learn how to do that. That would be a great gift is her shirt catching on fire because that was a hilarious scene. And the look, the look on Grant Gustin's face, like the shock when he realizes that he ran so fast he caught her clothes on fire. Like he... The way he acted in that scene was fucking spectacular. Yeah, I thought so too. Oh, shit! <laughs> so, I did say we had a couple Star Trek things. Let me bring up this next one real quick. And I saw this right before the show started, and it kind of excited me. Uh, Patrick Stewart was doing a Q&A on Facebook, and he was asked if he would ever reprise the role of Captain Jean-Luc Picard again, if he would be down for it. Bear in mind, it's been 13 years since he last did the character. His response, he goes, absolutely, if it were a really good script, but the poor soul is getting old and long in the tooth, he'd probably need some help mounting his horse, unlike the youthful captain of 30 years ago. So he acknowledged the fact he that has he been doing it for a while. He would totally do it. <laughs> Which is cool. They could, I could definitely see them doing, like, um, if there was some weird crossover, like the old retired, like, Admiral Picard. Like, because we've never seen that yet. No, we haven't. Because in all... All the films, I don't think, because in the original Star Trek, we had the part where Kirk was bumped up to Admiral and got back out and became a captain again. But I don't think we ever, did they ever do that in the Next Generation movies? I don't think we ever saw Picard bumped up to Admiral, did we? I don't think we did. Like, I can definitely see that as, that'd be kind of a great throwback to see him playing like a retired Admiral Picard that gets, you know, drawn back in, drawn back into the action one more time. I, I could see I could see Jean-Luc doing that. It'd be kind of cool. He was also asked, um, with his taking his age into consideration, they asked him who he thinks would be a good choice to play a young Picard. 
And uh, Patrick Stewart's response, excuse me, Sir Patrick Stewart's response was, I would have to say it must be the actor, my son Daniel Stewart. And if you aren't familiar, he looks like a taller version of his dad. I'll bring it up on screen share for you guys right now. Yeah. But they have pretty much the same face, and Daniel Stewart's taller. And if you don't remember, he was actually in an episode of TNG as uh, Picard's son. It was the episode, uh, God, um, wow, I can't remember the, the episode title. It's the one where Picard basically lives an entirely other life because of an alien probe, and he learns to play that cra- the crazy flute and things like that. Yeah. Um, I think, I want to say, um, that was the kid that was with him when they did um, Captains, wasn't it? It might I think been. he showed up during the interview with um, William Shatner. Because yes. they were all talking about acting. Yeah, so here, here's yeah. a better shot of he and his son. I think it would be interesting, but it's not Patrick Stewart, so people would be like, nah. But that, that's Patrick Stewart and his son, and they do look very similar. Yeah, he, he does. He does look like an extremely large, like basketball tall version of Patrick Stewart. Yeah, so if you were doing a young Jean Luc Picard, you could pull it off with him. He's a little. He's the height difference would be a little jarring, I think, for some. Yeah, it, it is amazing how much taller he is than his dad. But you can look at that hairline, and it's, it's there's no question. That's oh, yeah. Patrick Stewart. That's kid. his boy. <laughs> <laughs> they both been bald since they were twelve. <laughs> Yeah, uh, SP says in the chat room, I just missed you. Dude, Shatner's the captain special showed how rough the role can be. That's true. Very true. Yeah, it was a really good special, though. I enjoyed that one a lot. Well, I, I think it was on Netflix I watched it. But yeah, his I one watched with all of them. Him and Sir Patrick Stewart, that was just an awesome interview, back and forth with those guys. And yeah, Avery the, Brooks. Avery Brooks is insane. He's insane, but it was so interesting. It was. See. It was like... It was like a high-level intelligent conversation where you were only getting 80% of the words. Like that's how crazy it felt, though, because it was it was an amazing conversation. But at the same time, it's like I'm not sure what they're talking about. Well, and you saw the other <laughs> stuff that Avery Brooks was interested in. You kind of understand why he doesn't want to be defined as Captain Cisco. Oh yeah, definitely. And his academic studies and teaching and things like that. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Captain Cisco is a small part of everything you've done. Now he's yeah, one of the things you're most well known for. Uh, Busy dude. It was cool. It's weird when you see an actor will be known for one thing, and even though that's not that was never like their main focus, but it's the one thing they're known as. And it that, that can be very strange sometimes. And like them being that actor, it's probably got to be really hard to deal with sometimes. I think so. Like this is something I did for maybe four or five years in my life. I'm now sixty, but nobody ever thinks about anything I've done except for this little tiny thing I did one time. That would be kind of weird. Mm-hmm. There's some people that really embrace that, and then there's others that they seem to <laughs> grudgingly embrace it, I guess might be the best way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah, it is what it is. I've met some of the Star Trek actors. <laughs> They're pretty cool. Granted, it was at cons where they're always going to want to be cool because that's how they get paid, is by going and being nice to everyone. Nice. Yeah, I think the only, yeah, the only one I've run into was um, uh, Nichelle Nichols came through the bar when I was at Lexington. Oh, that's cool. Uh, comic and toy convention. That was a fun one. Sitting in the bar drawing bullshit with my buddy Keith, who I shared a table with, and the fucking Incredible Hulk walked in, and then Nichelle Nichols. It was a very strange day. (laughs) And the awesome thing about Lou Ferrigno is when you meet him in real life, he is that big. And so he was one of the ones, like, I have a list of actors I never want to meet. Like, I can't meet Stallone. I would have to look down at him. Yeah, if I have to look down at Rocky, it's just wrong. Yeah, like, yeah. it was awesome to see Ferrigno, 
to see Nichelle Nichols because like those were really cool characters, and she's an awesome older lady. <laughs> oh yeah, she, I've always heard that she's really cool and she's really nice to all the fans, things like that. Yeah, she was sitting there like shaking hands with everybody that like came by her as she was basically just trying to sit down and get a drink. Like it was, it was ridiculous the amount of people that were technically bothering her during off hours, but how gracious and nice she was with everybody that wanted to come up and say hi. It was really cool. So I got to meet uh, Frakes and Brent Spiner at Steel City Con a few months back. They were both super nice. Uh, nice. Jonathan Frakes, I was talking to him about uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. actually when he was up signing for myself and my girlfriend because he directed a couple episodes, at least one episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I said, so are you going to come back and do more? He goes, I would love to direct more episodes of that. And this was right about the same time the Ward thing had happened. We found out he's a bad guy, and, but it just made me laugh because you could tell he doesn't really follow the show that much. He goes, "Yeah, but that one guy, uh, uh the pretty guy, they made him bad, right?" <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome that the guy's directing the show, but he doesn't know everything about the show. <laughs> it shows you the difference between work and you know the stuff that fans learn about right. something that they follow. If you just work on a show, you might not know everything about the show. It was really interesting just listening to some of the stories that Frakes and uh, Spiner were both telling in line because one guy was asking to go, man, when you guys had Tom Hardy on Star Trek, what was that like? like did you know he was going to blow up like that? And he goes, honestly, we looked at each other the first time we saw that kid on set and we went, this guy's going to be huge. Yeah, and I had never realized Nemesis was one of the movies that I missed. I had stopped really watching Star Trek movies at the time and wasn't you know catching them on rental because I just... It was to the point where I was basically done watching Star Trek, and that was when I went back and told shit. Tom Hardy as like you know the the clone of Jean Luc Picard was fucking creepy. Oh yeah, like he did that role so well. <laughs> so SP's asking us in the chat room. He goes, "Who would Frakes play in the Marvel universe?" And I'm not sure the right answer. I almost wanted to say White Nick Fury, but I'm not sure that would be a great role. Nick Fury. Hmm. Number two in the Marvel Universe. I could totally see him as a redone version of Mr. Fantastic. Honestly, I was just thinking that right before you said it. <laughs> he, he could rock a Reed Richards. They'd have to put a little white in the side. But yeah, I could see him like a, a Reed Richards and actually and let him rock the mustache and goatee. Like even better, the Ultimate Universe, they'd have to you know, age him, but the Ultimate Universe evil Reed Richards. He would do amazing as that. That would be cool. Because the Ultra Universe Reed Richards went bad. <laughs> that is true. Uh, and he on Starpilot also said uh, Bachman and Tom Cruise stare down. I'd pay for that. <laughs> Wait, what? You were talking about how you'd have to look down on Stallone and things like that. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Tom Cruise. I mean, it's it's one of those things where I I love the guy as an actor, but I don't think I've ever like he's not a huge hero. Like he's not any one epic character. Like he's you know. He's Maverick, but I could stare. I could look down at Maverick. That's no big deal. He's, He's a pilot. Blunt. Yeah, I could look down at the little mini super spy too. That that would be funny. I mean, just you know, if I if I give a stare down with Tom Cruise, it's a worry about you know the Scientologists coming after me. They don't want anybody looking at their you know their money machine. That's true. So SP yeah, was bringing up. He's bringing up down Rocky would be wrong. That's true. SP <laughs> bringing up Marvel stuff, which gives us a nice segue into the big story, which Indeed. we'll get to real quick. One thing I did want to mention, if you are a Lego fan and you are thinking about getting the Avengers Lego sets, do not read the descriptions of the play sets. They are spoilerific. <laughs> That's my only warning I'm going to say. 
do not read this playset descriptions because I think it gives away some movie plot points. Not major ones. And Wait, it actually which, helps. Which playsets? Um, any of the Lego Avengers stuff that is being released soon. Oh, all the Ultron stuff? All of the Ultron stuff. Uh, just so you know, here is the name of the playsets. Attack on Avengers Tower. The Avengers Quinjet City Chase. I'm not going to say the name of this playset because it might be a spoiler. Nice. <laughs> Duel with Hydra and Iron Man vs. Ultron. Do not read the playset descriptions <laughs> of these. You can probably look at the pictures and they look really cool, but do not read the playset descriptions of these if you want to remain spoiler free. It, it's amazing sometimes how they do that with the stuff that comes out ahead of time, where it's like, what the fuck? That being said, the Legos look badass, and I want them. They do I look want cool. the Avengers Tower ones. The Avengers Tower looks super sweet. The Hulkbuster armor doesn't look that great. And the only reason I can bring this up is because I believe mm. this is in German, and since most of the people watching our show probably cannot read German, you're not actually able to read the playset titles. Nope. <laughs> I don't know what it says. But Except apparently there's no German word for Quinjet. <laughs> Lego Vision. Nice. Which could be cool. He's very purplish red. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's a coloring issue or not on that, but the playsets look awesome. The Avengers Tower looks really cool. I want it. Lego Thor looks pretty cool with his cape. Yes. I, I hope <laughs> that you can just I hope they do Lego minifigs of it. Because you know you can go to the stores now and just buy the random minifigs, like for the yeah. Simpsons and things like that. I would love it if they did an Avengers one. I see. And the one I like was uh, they did the uh, Funko Pop release their Avengers lineup. Have you seen those yet? I have not. I think it's an eight-piece set, and you're like Thor or uh, Iron Man blasting off, where he's like uh, shooting the repulsor blast. So it looks like the character is actually off the ground. Okay, it's freaking cool looking. <clears throat> and then yeah, you got the caps in the new suit, a new Hulk, Thor. Yeah, the the vision looks almost purple, and then yeah. Ultron. I have to admit, yeah. I'm a little I'm a little late to the Funko party. I didn't get onto uh, it until recently, and now I know the Firefly ones are out, and it's taking yeah. a lot of willpower not to go buy all of them. Funko is all about taking my money. So yeah. far, I've been good. I've stuck to my only. I only buy the horror villains one. But this is the first set where I kind of look and it's like, okay, I wouldn't mind buying all the Avengers. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, I've said it before. I have some on my desk at work because it helps make my cube less cube-like. And then I have two on my desk down here. And you can actually see them in the background right now. They're both Mass Effect characters. I've got my bro, Garrus, from Mass Effect, and I've got Tally from Mass Effect because I heart Mass Effect. It's <laughs> one thing I'm sure most yes. people have learned about me over the 140-some-odd episodes of this podcast. 143. Yeah, 143. So we've kind of been <laughs> big news until the very end of the episode. But here's the big news, guys. Marvel has revealed the Secret Wars series is basically going to end the Marvel Universe. And, Anthony, I imagine you're probably a little more spun up than me on this one <sighs> as our resident comic <laughs> expert. So I'm going to let you head this one up, and I'll chime in for the little bits and pieces I know. How about that? That works. Um, so the big news, and I actually did sit down and I watched the entire uh, video that they put out. Of, See, this is why I tossed it to you. <laughs> uh, um, they were sitting down with... Oh, who the hell was it? Now I can't think of the names. It was Axel Alonso, who's uh, editor-in-chief right now, uh, and Tom Brevert. 
and they did an announcement at Meltdown Comics and basically flat out said there is a, you know, the, the summer blockbuster coming out this year is going to be Secret Wars. And in the Avengers books, the Avengers have been fighting collapsing universes where they found out that, like, if they blow up one Earth, then the two universes combine and that the other Earth that they didn't blow up is saved. When it's all said and done, the last two universes that are going to be combining is the Marvel 616, which is the standard regular Marvel universe, and Marvel 1610, which is the Marvel Ultimate Universe. So those two worlds are going to combine. We're going to have the Secret Wars series, and at the end of it, when it's all said and done, there will no longer be multiple Marvel universes the way there are in the comics. There might end up being, you know, there might still be a multiverse, but what we're going to have is Marvel Comics will be one universe. So it's... Uh, I've been a Marvel zombie since I was 12 when I bought my first comic. I've always been a fan of Marvel. And I kind of like the fact that DC has reset their universe, I think, three or four times now. Uh, they reset with Infinite Crisis back in the 70s. They reset with Zero Hour in the 90s. Um, they just reset everything again with, with 52. And during that entire time, Marvel has made changes to their universes. You know, they had all the heroes die and sent to a different universe and did Heroes Reborn after the Onslaught story. But when all that was happening, that affected some of the books, but the regular Marvel Universe continued on. And then right. we had, you know, the birth of the Ultimate Universe, where they restarted, you know, what would happen if Stanley and Jack Kirby and Ramita and all them were, if they were teenagers today and created all these new characters in the 90s, what would they be like? And we got, you know, Ultimate Spider-Man and Ultimate Fantastic Four and a new take on all these characters as young characters again. And, you know, that was its own universe and it had been running along. And no matter what happened in both universes, they, they kept going. And so, I don't know, I kind of always liked the fact that even when they did, like, Brand New Day for Spider-Man or they did the new uh, Marvel Now at the same time as DC's New 52, the Marvel Universe itself always just continued on. And so it was kind of their way of saying that, you know, the continuity geeks like me, the big, you know, the longtime comic book collectors and fans, the, you know, the stories that have always been there have always been there. No matter what's changed, you know, they still, you know, existed, I guess is the way some people look at it. Whereas DC has, you know, kind of rewiped their entire history and changed, like, which characters came out first according to their timeline mm -hmm. after stuff like Zero Hour and New 52. And so, I, I don't know, I've, I was always a fan of the fact that the Marvel Universe never reset. With that being said, we know that they've pushed a lot of it towards the Marvel cinematic stuff because the movies have done so well that they want to bring in more customers with the movies. And I think the biggest offset that what we're going to see when this is all said and done is that the Marvel Universe is a comic universe is going to be much more reflective of the films, which only really makes me sad because I think White Nick Fury is going to go away. <laughs> well, on, on the trade-off, though, I wonder if we start to see Miles Morales play a bigger role in your next Marvel Spider-Man movie, where your next Spider-Man movie is about Miles, not Peter. That could be interesting. It's possible. The, the thing that also makes me sad about that is that I love Miles Morales. I do, too. I, he, I just got caught up on the Miles Morales as, Ultimate Spider-Man book. But as the Ultimate Spider-Man. In a world where he also got bit roughly at the same time as Peter and we didn't know about it, and in that world where a young Peter Parker ends up sacrificing his life fighting the Green Goblin to save his Aunt May, and then Miles Morales becomes New York City's Spider-Man and takes over the role, and especially being a much younger kid where he's like 12, and he's out there risking his life to save people, in that world where Peter's dead and Miles Morales is Spider-Man, 
He's an exquisitely written character. He's a fantastic hero, and I love the stories that they told with him. Uh, it's if you bring Say what you want about Bendis. He writes Spider-Man oh, yeah. really well. He's probably he's he's. I would say he's tied right now with Dan Slott as my two favorite Spider-Man writers of all time. Because I've loved I've loved what Slot's done with Spider-Man in the last two hundred issues of Amazing and Superior Spider-Man. But yeah, Ultimate Spider-Man has always been Bendis since day one. He's the only writer that's ever written Ultimate Spider-Man, and it's an amazing book. Everything he did with Peter and everything he's done now with Miles, and I love that character. The problem is I love him in the Ultimate Universe, where he's the replacement of a hero, where he's taken on the mantle to to try to like fill those shoes. And he's that young kid that's really anxious and has already had his you know No More Spider-Man storyline and has continued on being a hero. But I'm really interested to see what they do with him because if you bring Miles Morales into a world where there's an adult Peter Parker that's Spider-Man in Manhattan, I can't see where Miles Morales is needed. Well, I hope he's, they don't just make him the plucky sidekick. That's what yeah, concerns me. That's that's kind of what I'm afraid of. But, I mean, I would hope with Bendis and Slot being involved, whatever they do with Miles is probably going to be, you know, probably fairly important, like possibly. I could see him becoming, like, you know, the Spider-Man in Los Angeles or something. Like, they, he can't be just Peter Parker's sidekick, because if that's what ends up happening, then Miles Morales is just another second-string Spider character, and they've already proven with, you know, the cancellation of the Scarlet Spider book that people won't, people don't need or want a secondary Spider-Man. I mean, we got Spider-Woman, Spider-Girl, you know, Silk, you know, if they bring in Miles, we got a secondary Spider-Man. It's, honestly, I... They're fun characters, but as long as you have actual Peter Parker in the suit, you don't need the rest of them. They're all right. just fluff. There's nobody that's ever going to be that's ever going to take that role of Spider-Man from Peter Parker as long as he's alive. And so that's the one thing that I'm kind of looking at where I'm disappointed because I like Miles Morales in the Ultimate Universe, and I'd be happy reading Ultimate Spider-Man for the next 20 years. But I mean, as a company, I see why they're doing what they're doing. I just uh, I'm not a huge fan of it yet. I'm holding out. Like, I have my fingers crossed that there's going to be good shit coming out of this. And there's some of the concepts that they've talked about with Battleworld being an actual, like, a planet. That they actually have a map on the website right now where you can see where basically certain countries are certain alternate universe storylines, like Future Imperfect and Marvel 2099. Civil War. All gonna, Civil War. Like, they're all going to be areas that are aspects of this Battleworld. And so that's a very cool concept. Yeah, and for I'm those who aren't familiar... Basically, what yeah. they're doing is they're just taking all of these pieces from different worlds and they're dropping them onto one world they're calling Battle World. So you could yep. have like Spider-Man from Ultimate Universe, Spider-Man from what we know now, Spider-Man from Civil War, all in one world. So it's going to be fun storytelling from that standpoint, especially if you're a Marvel continuity buff and love all of the past stories and some certain elements of them, because you're going to see some of those mixed together. Yep, and there's yeah, they've, they've already shown like yeah, the possibly the Marvel Zombie Universe will be there, the Age of Ultron world will be there. Um, uh, Hulk, uh, World War Hulk's going to be there. Like, there's going to be some very cool opportunities for what they can do mixing all these characters. It's just yeah, it's, it's one of those things where like I have my fingers crossed that. I mean, if they're going to do a reset, I hope that they actually have the balls to go all the way and do a full reset. Unlike what DC said they were going to do with the new Fifty Two, where some characters had a full brand new origin and completely reset while at the same time Hal Jordan and Kyle Rayner basically just kept telling the exact same story they were telling. Which same with Batman. Yeah, well, no, Batman, they reset. They reset. He'd only been working for five years, but basically yeah. everything else stayed in place. Yeah, a lot of it stayed in place, but, I mean, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo have done a new version of right. Batman. Right. It's right. definitely not the Bat-God. 
my, he's my, not that character anymore. Yeah, my biggest complaint with New 52, and I'd said at the time, is the fact that it was a sliding scale of what was rebooted. So if Marvel's yeah. going to do it, like they said they are, reboot everything. You can keep elements of the old stuff, but don't be like, this Spider-Man's exactly how you remember it. But Iron Man is completely different based off of what came from this world. It's going to be very confusing for people to jump onto, but I kind of see why Marvel wants to do this, because A... It's going to make for a great jumping-on point for people that have been watching the movies and like, man, I really should read some of these comics because everything starts from scratch. Yeah, and, and in B- reality, as a comic collector, it's going to get rid of 60 years' worth of backstory. Yeah, it's the same thing we have <laughs> with the Star Trek reboot and things like that, and when Star Wars yeah. got bought by Disney and they deleted the expanded universe. It's tough to have happen, and maybe it's because it happens all the time now that I'm growing a little more accepting of it. But from their standpoint, you're getting rid of a lot of continuity you had to keep tracking and trying to retcon. As a writer, it's probably a little uh, freeing. Yeah, definitely. And that's, it's also going to be weird, too, because you're looking at, like, right now in the Marvel Universe, I'm not caught up on everything, but, I mean, we still have um, the Spider-Universe going on where Parker and Doc Ock Spidey are gathering every alternate universe Spider-Man to fight this family of people with Moreland that, you know, hunt, kill, and eat spider totems. So, like, that whole... That the whole Spider Universe thing, the Spider Verse theory is you know it's dealing with time travel, it's dealing with alternate dimensions, and gathering heroes from all sorts of alternate worlds all into one team. That's going on. Well, at the same time, we have after the Axis storyline, we have the Superior Iron Man, who was a villain, and from what I understand, was one of the only ones who remained a villain after the storyline because he protected himself from turning back into a hero. So Superior Iron Man is still an asshole. And that character is going into the Secret Wars, so it's going to be weird to see what they do with all the storylines leading up to Secret Wars. How everything hopefully gets ended. So I've read the first three issues of Superior Iron Man. It's interesting, but I would not be able to like it long term. It's interesting because he's so different from the Tony Stark we know, and but I don't want to see that Tony Stark be the Tony of the comic book world for long. So it's maybe a good idea that Superior Iron Man is something that was created going into a lead-in of a reboot? I think so, because if that's the Iron Man we were stuck with going forward, it redoes, it undoes everything. Tony's now a drunk, philandering asshole again. Nice. Yeah, that's that's yeah, it's not really like a hero you want to see for too long in the yeah, book. Yeah, you can lead it off as character <laughs> progression, and if you're Marvel, you don't really want to see your Iron Man be an asshole going into the Avengers, where yeah. Iron Man's a fixture. Uh, I did see one of the cool things I saw that Axel Alonso teased in this. He goes, um, if we wanted to resurrect Gwen Stacy, this would be the place to do it. And as I just yeah. started reading Edge of the Spider-Verse and things like that, Gwen Stacy as Spider-Woman, a.k.a. Spider-Gwen, as the internet is putting it, is really good. I would I would not mind seeing Spider-Gwen. I just don't know how you do it. But I yeah, want She's uh, it's such a great character design. The con the the costume design for the character is so awesome. And for those that missed the issue, uh, just the first issue of the Spider Verse that introduced her character, Spider Gwen lives in a world where Gwen was bit by the spider to try to stop himself from being bullied. Peter Parker gave himself the lizard formula and turned into the lizard. And Gwen is in a band called the Mary Janes, where she's the drummer and Mary Jane is the lead singer. So she's in a punk band, and she's Spider-Man. Right. It's a fucking fantastic book. And in the very short, just one issue that you get to introduce the character, you find out that her dad, Captain Stacy, is, of course, still alive, because this is, you know, it was a slightly earlier version of the world, and he's hunting Spider-Woman. 
Right. And, and so in that issue, she she meets her dad as Spider-Woman. It's a great fucking story. It was really good. And for those that hadn't seen it yet, I just pulled up on the screen share. If you're watching live video with us, is the Spider-Gwen costume. Spider-Woman costume. Spider-Gwen just rolls off the tongue better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Anybody that's not watching, just Google Spider-Gwen. The, the costume design is awesome. And it, it didn't quite blow up as big as the new Batgirl, but when the Spider-Gwen was announced and shown... There's definitely something like you check Tumblr or Twitter or Instagram. There's a couple hundred thousand designs of people drawing the Spider-Gwen costume just because it's such a very cool graphic image. And it's incredibly popular for cosplayers and stuff now, too. And oh, yeah. <laughs> there is actually, I wanted to share this also because it was really cool to see. There is a, a Etsy shop called Coyote Pop Clothing, the superhero-inspired hoodies and stuff like that. They're doing a Spider-Gwen nice. hoodie also. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, at Salt Lake City Con. Um, oh man, these are really cool. <laughs> in September, I saw there was a guy in the Future Foundation white Spider-Man outfit hanging out with a chick in a full-blown Spider-Gwen costume. And at that point, the issue of the comic that sh- the character was introduced with was still two months away. She hadn't been introduced yet, and this woman had a full costume. And I'm talking, she had the neon Nike shoes that matched the costume from the comic in a comic that hadn't been out yet. That was fucking amazing. Like, there are some women that just love the concept of Spider-Gwen and just instantly took that idea and ran with it as a cosplay because it's such a cool graphic design. Yeah, it's really cool. So, Spider-Gwen, that could be one of the things we see get pulled into the the 616 or whatever we start calling the Marvel Prime Universe. Maybe yeah, because we don't we don't even know what it's gonna be. But yeah, like some of the alternate universes, if you look at the Battle World map, are insane because talking Age of Apocalypse. So you have the Domain of Apocalypse, that's world cool. where Apocalypse was in charge. You have the 2099, which I love. The Monarchy of M from the House of M alternate storyline. Um, see, some of them are still marked as classified, which I love. <laughs> like there's just there's so many alternate universe, alternate storylines. Days of Future Past is on there. Um, let's see. Yeah, some of them it's awesome. Like, you have the Wastelands Mutopia, but they're marked as Incursion Imminent coming soon, so they have their date, but they're not telling you which storyline they're from yet. Yeah, Westchester, Killville, like, Arcadia. So, like, there's going to be a zone that's just going to be apparently arcades, Murder World. That's cool. That's fucking crazy, the idea of Murder World being its own country. I want Deadpool from from Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe to be in uh, (laughs) Battle World. He could he could be running around in there. That's 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 the one upside is that any you know basically they said there that this won't be a what if like this is what's actually happening, but because of what Axel Alonso said about possibly bringing in other characters, it means that they can bring in other characters from anywhere. So they could actually bring in characters from what if universes. Right. So anything that's ever been Marvel, any story they've ever told could be part of Battle World, and so that concept is. Fucking awesome. And Future Imperfect is in it, which I love. The Maestro. Mm-hmm. The Hulk as a supervillain that took over the world. That is a great fucking It Hulk. is a great Swole's King Day, of course, it's great. But the, the thing well, that really yeah. worries me on this one is uh, Secret War is probably not going to be the best jumping on point for someone who hasn't been reading a lot of Marvel comics because they're pulling from a variety of backstories. Yeah. Oh, Spider Island gets its own island. The world where everybody in Manhattan got spider powers. Okay, that's cool. So they also announced there's going to be three <laughs> different tie-in books at the very least. The first one is called Secret Wars Last Days. 
which they said is going to deal with the characters of the Marvel U and what they do in their final days before the beginning of Secret Wars. Uh, next set, which could be kind of interesting based off you're describing Battle World to me, it's called Secret Wars Battle World. It's going to focus on the different countries that created the all-new Battle World. Alonzo nice. said, who polices Battle World? How do the various domains interact? What happens when those domains go to war? These are the kind of things we're going to see. What familiar faces will make appearances? Blah, blah, blah. Last one is uh, Secret Wars War Zones, they describe, which will tell the stories of the individual nations mm. in Battle World. And this is what they're going to use to tease the future Marvel Universe. And for those that aren't aware, uh, Secret Wars is a repeated event in Marvel. They've done it twice before. And what it was was basically... Yeah, it was a toy commercial. But <laughs> storyline-wise, in the comics, it was having uh, heroes in Earth and teleporting them to a planet and making them fight for his amusement. And so it was one of those things where it's like, okay, well, this character's never fought this character, but we could do that in this story. And so the idea, like the concept of you know mashing all these different storylines together, they're basically just taking their old version of Secret Wars and just making a much more insane, full-blown version of it where you're mashing together every story Marvel's ever told, which right. is fucking insane. But yeah, it's, it's one of those things like, Secret Wars itself I think will be fantastic. They've proven lately, you know, I haven't read Axis, I haven't read Axis, but I read the last two big events. And it was fun where if you got Axis just the main weird. series, like if you just got the main six or eight books, you could read them and they were fun. But I don't know. It's it's something I think I think Secret Wars is, it'll at least be a blast during that part of it. I'm just I'm questioning what the Marvel universe is going to look like afterwards. That's Axis, what I'm worried. Yeah, Axis is really weird. I read the first three books. I did not particularly care for Original Sin before that. I see. All I read on Original Sin was the main eight, just yeah. the miniseries itself, and I liked that. It was okay. I, what I've read of Axis is really weird so far, and I just got through the first three books because then it starts the next story after that, which is Incursion, which is Inversion, I think is what they called it. Because I'll get to it at the end of the episode. I've been reading a lot of comics the past day and a half, but that's beside. Nice. <laughs> um, I don't. Uh, the only other question I had for you is, since we're doing Secret War, have you heard any mention of the Beyonder in context of this mm -hmm. crossover, this mega event? Because nope, that doesn't mean he won't show up. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to figure out, is whether he plays any part in this. And it, I'm just curious. I don't think it affects my opinion one way or another if he does. If he does, I hope he shows up in his disco outfit. Oh, touche. Touche. Because so, the honor was designed in the 70s, people. So he had a disco outfit. We <laughs> ran way over on the show today, but that's because we really need to talk about what I call it, the Mighty Marvel reboot is what I have it called in my notes. That 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 works. It's yeah. pretty it's pretty mighty. I like the I like the alliteration. That's probably what this week's episode will be, and we'll see whether the episode <laughs> download count drops with a non-pornish title. <laughs> see if that see if that tinkles the iris that it gets the hits. Exactly. Um, that's <laughs> all I really had for news at this point in time. But and looking at the time, we should start wrapping up. And how we normally do that, if you're a new listener to the show or a new viewer to the show is the last five, ten minutes of the show, that's our chance to share with you guys and with each other what we've been getting into, be it in comics, movies, games, whatever, and what we're planning on getting into in the week ahead. Basically, we just want to share the cool stuff we've been doing with each other and maybe then in turn get someone else hooked on it. That's kind of how we got Naki to watch Arrow. Indeed. And I mean, you can think about it, it really is. So I'll start it off first, which is really weird, me transitioning a bit and going first, but with only two people, I don't like to end <laughs> yeah. the bits, so it'll be me Do going it. first. Do it! So pretty much what I've been getting into is I had a stack of about 
four months worth of Marvel comics and stuff that I had not read that was sitting next to my table upstairs. So I spent probably three hours last night going through all of these Marvel books, taking my digital codes, and redeeming them on Comixology. And then turning around and downloading them off Comixology. I think at one point I had 67 books in my download queue on Comixology last night. My iPad did not like that very much. <laughs> it was very slow, and I think that Comcast or somebody started throttling me down because all of a sudden the download speeds mega dropped. So Comixology is owned by Amazon. Maybe Amazon was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This can't be right. But I probably downloaded 60-some-odd books last night to start reading through. And I started reading. I read Axis numbers 1 through 3. I finished up Original Sin. I got caught up on uh, Miles... Uh, well, 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 brain fart. I got caught up on The Ultimate Spider-Man with Miles uh, Morales. Sorry, I forgot his last name all of a sudden. And I got caught up on part of the Edge of the Spider-Verse. I read issues 1 and 2, which is Spider-Man Noir and Spider-Woman, which is Spider-Gwen. It's been really intriguing. And I know I said on here before, not a huge fan of the Superior Spider-Man. I'm still not really, but I did go and buy the last two issues of Superior Spider-Man that came out because it starts off the Spider-Verse stuff because... Yeah. I'm really, really intrigued with the Spider-Verse books. Everyone's been talking about them, and I'm like, okay, it's time for me to read them. They've been sitting here for me to look at. Let's do it. So I read that, and I also read the first three books of Batman, in, Batman Endgame that Snyder and Capullo are doing, which is where the Joker returns, basically. It's been surprisingly good, and I kind of wish I'd been reading... What is the book? Uh, Batman Eternal, I think it is, which was the weekly they were doing or something like that, which introduced a new character which plays a big part in Batman Endgame. And I didn't realize it, and I'm going, I'll go back and read those. I don't want to spoil it for anyone, and I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head. So, my bad. Uh, other than that, what have I been doing? I got to play some X-Wing last weekend, and I was watching Scrubs on Netflix, and I blame Naki for that because... She talked about doing a Scrubs rewatch, and that's been what I've had on TV when I'm redeeming Comixology tokens or cooking dinner or doing dishes and things like that has been Scrubs. And I'm a little bummed because on February 4th, it's not on Netflix anymore, so i got a lot to watch before it goes away. But it's not like there's not enough stuff on Netflix anyway, so I'll probably be... be that was a weird facial tick slash speech tick. Sorry about that, guys. But I'll probably be doing more Netflix and stuff lately, and because I'm curious, the interview is now on Netflix, and I'll probably watch it on Netflix. It's pretty funny. That's what I've heard. But that's pretty much what I've been getting into. It's a lot of comic-focused stuff, and I think I said it last week, Star Wars number one, awesome read. They've got me hooked going forward. I, I read it again last night because I was reading comics. I forgot how much I missed comics sometimes, but I also forgot how much they really piss me off sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell are you doing in some of these? <laughs> nice. I love good comics. Comics that, when people don't seem like they're trying or they're just putting them out to put out a book, I'm like, ugh. But that's my, my rant aside. That's what I've been getting into. How about yourself, Anthony? What you been getting into? What are you planning on getting into? I've been catching up on my books as well. I finally got my budget back to where I have comics, so I've been getting caught up. I'm still behind on everything, but I'm a little further ahead in the Spider-Verse than you are, so I've been introduced to some of the really cool characters, like uh, the Spider, the uh, Captain Universe Spider, where he never give up the the power cosmic. Oh, that's uh, cool. Punk, Punk Spider-Man, which I love, where he's wearing a leather jacket and has spikes in his costume. 
just, yeah, some of the alternate Spider-Man that they've invented for the Spider-Verse, it's just, you can tell that some of the concept artists just had a blast trying to think of any random world where you'd have a steampunk female Spider-Man. Like, there's just all sorts of random crazy shit going on. And, of course, they're all still running around with Peter Parker, the Spider-Ham. So the fact that he's there just makes it fucking hilarious. And all of them running around fighting the Inheritors, it, it's great. And now I've got to the point in the story where they're kind of finally learning some more about the Inheritors and are you know getting ready to try to actually fight back against them. So it's it's definitely a fun storyline. I'm I'm really excited to see how the end of Spider Verse is going to go. Um, getting caught up on that. Been playing a little bit of a uh, Lego Star Wars because I realized I couldn't play Lego Marvel because I don't have a PS3. <laughs> so I need to rebuy a PS3 when I sell this damn house. But I've been playing <laughs> I've been playing Lego Star Wars because that's fun because I still haven't finished that one. So I'm like 64 percent of the way through completing everything. And that's one of those ones where I actually want to complete everything. So that's been fun going back through with all the characters once you have everything unlocked and finding all the little secret areas and blowing up everything and towing Death Stars and just having fun with that. Um, I'm back to drawing again almost every day. So my Instagram account has been fun because I've been actually posting feeds of all the sketches I'm doing, going back through a Christopher Hart book. Just I doing, need to uh, follow you on Instagram then. Yeah, doing a basic anatomy. So re- reteaching myself the basics, getting my... Uh, trying to, you know, get my drawing skills back up to snuff. And then other than that, I was getting all caught up on my geek shows this week because I had fallen behind on a lot of stuff, listening to podcasts, and for a little bit there I had my internet turned off. So trying to get caught up on Hulu and on Fox's website and ABC's website. But during this week I got caught up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter, Gotham, Constantine, Arrow, and The Flash. So I believe I'm caught up on everything at this point. So, nice. yeah, I watched a lot of comic book TV this week after work, and it was awesome. Uh, Agent Carter is a really fun show. I was really stoked to see how they ended um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. before the start of Agent Carter when they went to their mid-season break. Um, Constantine's been really fun. The last two-parter that it ended with was a really interesting storyline. Uh, Gotham was cool. I love the stuff they've been doing with um, Ben McKenzie playing Jim Gordon, and um, Donald Logue, I think, is probably the... He might be the best actor in a comic book TV show right now. Him as Harvey Bullock is just fucking amazing, whether you like Gotham or not. Donald Logue is just fucking fantastic. And then uh, Arrow and The Flash are still my two favorite, and as much as I love Arrow, I do have to say The Flash is the best comic book TV show out right now. Yeah, Flash is a better show right now. The hot and cold episode, the fucking brothers from Prison Break playing Captain Cold and Heat Wave is just some of the best shit ever. Those two actors still play off each other so well that it was awesome to see them playing, not brothers, but, you know, partners in crime again. Right. It was Those two fighting the Flash was a great fucking episode. Yeah, I agree saying Flash is the better show, and that is not me disparaging Arrow. Far from it. Arrow is still good. I just think Flash has defied all expectations and how good it is. Oh, Flash is still great, or Arrow is still great. Yeah. I still love Arrow. I the way they're too. dealing with... The fact that Stephen Amell said there would be no Lazarus pit, and we all thought he was lying, and then you see the end of the new episode, it's like, oh shit! Apparently, Stephen Amell does not lie to the I just didn't know what they were going to use. And (laughs) we talked about that. Let me get a plug in here. We talked about it a little bit this week on the Starling Tribune, how he was resurrected, and some of the stuff that kind of made us raise our eyebrows a little bit about that. So, if you want to get a a different take on what happened in the episode and some opinions on it. Go and check out the Starling Tribune over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. And we talked about Flash also. 
you want to get some some thoughts on that episode, we've got you covered on the network too. Go check out Crimson Comet at the same place. And nice. for and anyone if you're who's not watching, if you're not watching Flash of the Arrow. You're missing out on the best TV there is right now. You really are. And Agent Carter also really good too. And it's fun too because yeah, it's a period piece. Exactly. All, That's the, what makes all it the, so the old school Studebakers and yeah, the old school clothes are awesome. And they introduced freaking Jarvis, man. I know. It's fucking it's cool. So good. <laughs> The actor that's playing Jarvis is so fucking funny. I love that guy. He's so good. So we've been getting into a bunch of different shit, basically. That's what it comes down to in the past week. But looking at the time now, we have most definitely run over on time, so it's time for us to start wrapping up. So so just a friendly reminder to folks, we stream live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, and I'm not doing any more math from there, so if you live in a different time zone, please calculate yourself. <laughs> We're over at live.atgnpodcast.com, and if you go to the website, you can find the episode to download there after the fact, or you can go to gunnageeknetwork.com where you'll find all things good and nerdy, and a variety of other shows that are our network friends, like Voices of Defiance, or the Starling Tribune, or the Gunna Geek Podcast, all sorts of stuff. If, you, if you've got a geeky interest, go check it out. We got you covered over at the network. And you'll hear some familiar voices there because we travel amongst the podcasts and some of us podcast way, way too much. Way too much. Way, way too much. But <laughs> I think that is going to wrap us up for this week unless you got any final thoughts for us, Anthony. Uh, at Bachman Anthony on Instagram. There you go. And at Anthony Bachman on the Twitters. Yep. I had to flip it for Instagram. <laughs> it's just to keep us on our toes. Actually, I think I made the old account that was at Anthony Bachman on Instagram, and I lost the password to it. So when I tried <laughs> to remake it, it wouldn't let me in. So yeah, at Bachman Anthony, I'll be doing some some actual drawing on that one. It'll be fun. That's I'm finishing fun. the Donatello drawing, so everybody will get to see that. Ooh, I'm intrigued. But until next week, guys, we'll see you then. Hopefully, Naki's feeling better and joins us next week for a brand new episode because we need some Naki stories too. I need to hear oh, what the name. little children do next. <laughs> Besides carry the plague. Besides carry the plague. But until next week, guys, have a good one, and don't forget to eat your bacon. Because we hadn't talked about bacon. Yet. Dick butts. Or dick butts. Those are also transfers. But I mean it this time. We're getting out of here, guys. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this brand new episode of All Things Good and Nerdy on the Gunna Geek Podcast Network. You can find ATG in a variety of places. Some of those include our website at atgnpodcast.com or on certain apps like Stitcher Radio. In fact, we're even on Gunna Geek's main website at gunnageek.com slash network where you can find all things good and nerdy and all of the other shows that are part of the Gunna Geek network family. If you want to get in touch with the show directly, don't forget you can use any of the social media methods like Facebook at facebook.com slash allthingsgoodnerdy or Twitter at ATGN Podcast. That's not your cup of tea for getting in touch with us. Don't forget about the ATGN hotline at 304-806-ATGN. We check it each week, so leave us a message and we'll get back to you and put it on the show. That's going to wrap up another episode of All Things Good and Nerdy. Join the Adahe, Naki, and myself next week for an all-new live show at 11 a.m. Eastern Time at live.atgnpodcast.com. The music you've heard for both the intro and outro of this show were found on SoundCloud.com and are used in accordance with the Creative Commons licenses. Leaving Earth by Abandon All Hope is used as the outro of this show, 
and The Wind Waker by the Neskimos is used as the intro and slightly modified in both cases. To get links directly to these songs, go to atgnpodcast.com and check out the background music section.